Hey everyone, welcome to Hub City Church. We are ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. If you want more information about Hub City Church, find us online at thehubcitychurch.com connect and fill out our digital connect card. Now let's dive into this week's message. And we're going to get into God's Word together and conclude our Family Matters series. We're talking about family and the importance of being in family and how do we inter- interact with our faith and our family circles, our marriages, our kids, uh, our work. Or today we're going to talk about church and our church family and those dynamics. So let's jump right in. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 21. That's our text for today. It says this. It says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So as we uh, are concluding this series, we're talking about how the church matters. The church is a part of our family circles, right? As a Christ follower, I am adopted into the family of God. You and I are a part of a family. Whether biology brought that together, no, Jesus brought that together when he died on the cross. He welcomes us into his family, but just like every family here on earth, The church family has its ups and its goods and its downs and its bads, right? We miss the mark at times here at church. We, uh, unfortunately, we we make mistakes. We accidentally hurt people in the process and, and there is dysfunction and division. And so we're talking today, as we look at this text, Paul is writing to the early church saying, hey, this is the target for us to aim at so that we can experience wholeness and unity and harmony and all that God would intend and we can be on mission together as a church family, right? That's what God's designed and and that's what Paul is calling them towards. And at the beginning of this text, he's shaking them up right into this, right? Like those grooves on the side of the freeway when you drift off, you know what I'm talking about, right? When you're just and then you have to come back onto the onto the freeway, right? You're driving and you drift and then you hit those bumps and you drift back into the lane. Well, church, we sometimes drift, don't we? Conflict, tension, personalities, all of those things, we kind of drift off of God's design for the church family and we hit some bumps and we got to come back onto, onto our spot. We got to get back in the groove, right? We got to go there. And that's what Paul is doing. And right out of the gate, he's shaking them up, and he says, be careful, pay attention, look at this and examine yourselves, because we are a part of the solution together on this. So he says this in Ephesians chapter 15 and 16, he says, be very careful then how you live, making the most of every opportunity, making the most, right? He's using language here in the ancient, uh, ancient times, and that language pre- prevents, or, excuse me, provides this imagery of this idea of purchasing, redeeming, bundling up, buying all of these things, right? Buying up, just like you do when you go on Black Friday shopping, you got your Target cart and you're just loading it up with good deals, right? You're making the most of that opportunity. You're loading up your cart. You're seizing the day. Time is limited. Time is limited. Load up the cart, load up the cart, load up the cart, right? And that's what some of us as spenders and shoppers, that's what we do, right? But what Paul is saying is is very similarly, 
Let's make the most of these opportunities. Time is limited. Time is flying. And why are we wasting our time on things that are futile? Why are we allowing conflict to derail us? Why are we allowing tension to ruin us, right? Make the most of these opportunities. Time is going so quick. Let's invest our energy into things that will actually impact eternity. Let's invest our energy into things that can allow us to be on mission together, that can allow us to embody the very church that Jesus designed and hopes for and, and desires to be the church that Jesus needs us to be. That's what I want to put my energy towards. That's what I want to make the most of. That's what I want to put in my shopping cart, so to speak. And so what Paul does is he begins by contrasting statements that show us our tendency versus our target. We have a tendency and we have a target, right? And I was thinking about this idea recently because I went bowling with my family. How many bowlers we got, right? You love bowling? Our tendency when we go bowling is just take that ball and throw it as hard as you can. Give it a heave, right? But you're aiming where? You're aiming at the pins. That's the goal. Just hit some pins, and I'm going to throw it as hard as I can. Hopefully, I knock over some pins, and that's how it's going to work, right? But what I've learned from YouTube and professional bowlers and other people like that and watching bowling on a really boring, rainy day, uh, the, the, the true target, you know, we have a tendency, heave the ball, the true target are those little arrows on the bowling lane, those dots right at the line, right? All of those things actually mean something. They aren't just there for decoration. Those are the target that the bowlers are actually looking at for figuring out how we're going to knock down those pins or that, you know, 7-10 split that, that, that gets you stuck, right? That's how we're going to do it is we're going to aim at the arrows. We're going to aim at the correct target. We're going to be able to make this happen. And I think similarly, Paul is comparing our tendency kind of emotionally just chuck, heave, go through life and saying, let's aim at a different target. Let's do it a little bit different and let's do it within our church dynamics. And so what does he show us here in verse 15, 17, and 18? Here's a couple of contrasting statements. One, don't live as the unwise, but as the wise, right? Tendency, live as the unwise. Target, live as the wise. Tendency, verse 17, right? Therefore, do not live as the foolish, but... That's the tendency. Here's the target. Understand what the Lord's will is. That's the target for us. Tendency, right? Don't get drunk on wine. Target. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Tendency, target. Tendency, target. See, our tendency in church is that we get consumed by our emotions and our feelings, and we allow that to be the way that we are going to navigate relationships in our church, right? Or we get focused on our desires and our dreams. Well, I want this fulfillment. I want to fulfill this in me, so I'm bringing this desire, this dream, this goal, whatever it would be, right? Sometimes we allow the personalities of certain leaders or pastors or, or people to, to influence in such a way where that becomes our tendency. We, we, we're just driven by personality, driven by topics and issues and causes, and they're not even necessarily bad things. We just get caught up in them, and that is our tendency when we allow our, our church dynamics to be rallied around a cause or an issue that is secondary or thirdly or fourthly to the gospel. Our tendency is to make decisions and, and engage in our church relationships out of emotions, in unwise, thoughtless, emotional, unplanned unguided ways. We live in a way where we're under the influence of someone or something else. And it not, doesn't just 
dictate our decisions. It dictates the way that we engage, the way that we connect, the way that we interact with each other. And Paul's like, hey, that's the tendency, but let me show you a new target. Here's a target for us. First target, let's put Jesus at the center of the church, not a person, not a personality, not a cause, not an issue. Let's put Jesus and the good news of Jesus, let's put that at the center and see what happens. That becomes our target, right? Let's put the Holy Spirit in his presence. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, he says, right? To allow the Holy Spirit to fill our lives. Allow that to be our target. Put that as our goal. How do I engage in this moment of tension or conflict? How do I, how do I correct a miscommunication with someone in my church? Don't react by your gut or your intellect or what Oprah said or what you read in a book or heard on a podcast or things like that. Not necessarily always bad things. That's our tendency, what Paul is saying, the target is to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, to be so filled by his spirit that it impacts and, and, and influences the way I'm going to talk or care or counsel or advise or comfort or help. That's how influential the Holy Spirit is. That's why he even gives that tendency of like, don't get drunk on wine, right? Think of how alcohol can be so influential in somebody's life, and it affects the way that they think and the way that they see and the way that they act and the way that they react and it changes our behaviors and all of these things, right? We become under the influence of alcohol. It's gonna affect us in all of these different ways. And he's giving that as a negative example, but then he pivots it to a positive and he says, but live filled with the Holy Spirit. Live under the influence of God's presence and God's spirit and watch what happens where the compassion and kindness and love and self-control and comfort and allow those things from the Holy Spirit to overflow out of us, to develop skills, to discern and be aware of God's voice and presence in our lives. When he says to live as the wise, right? To learn how to make wise decisions that are influenced by God, to pursue God's will. What do I do in this moment of tension and conflict? Well, I think I might want to do this. Well, what does God want for me to do? What is God's purpose and will and intent for how our church should move forward or how I should move forward in this moment of or dynamic with people? So he's giving us a new target to aim for, giving us a direction to be called to, and then he paints a picture of what the difference can look like, right? We see this in Ephesians 5, 19 through 20. Listen to the way he describes the how the church can talk to each other. Look at these verses and tell somebody, that's the church you want to be a part of, right? Because I guarantee everyone wants to be a part of this church, right? Right here. Look at this. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If our target is to put Jesus at the center. If our target is to be influenced by the Holy Spirit and to be driven by God's will, not these other things, what we will see is a church dynamic that shifts where we begin to speak truth over people. When he says speaking songs and hymns and psalms, what is he saying? He's speaking the promises of God over people, speaking life into people, speaking hope into desperate situations, singing together. Think about, even if you don't like singing, and you don't feel like you have any musical talent, this guy, right? Think about the sim symbolism of singing together. When we sing together, what happens? It's the only time we as a church are uttering anything in unison. Every time, every other time, there's somebody talking, somebody listening, somebody saying this, somebody saying that. But when we sing, 
we're united. And what Paul is saying there is, man, not only are you going to be praising God, but you're going to be doing so in a unified manner that the church can experience unity as a dynamic, as a byproduct of this, right? A church that is thankful and appreciative and overflowing with gratitude. How many of you want that, right? Rather than complaining Christians, we're going to be grateful Christians, right? We're speaking these things over people. We're living in such a way where we see the good, we see the possible, we see the progress. We're excited about those things. I bet you and guarantee, I'm not even in the room, but I would guarantee everyone there would raise their hand and say, I want to be a part of that church. I want to be a part of that. And what Paul is saying is when our target is corrected, This is the byproduct that we get. This is what we get to experience. But he then says, this is the only way we're going to get it. This is our call to action. In verse 21, he gives us a call to action. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this dynamic is one that's played out in marriages and in parenting and in work. We see it played out in the other passages that we looked at. But in this one right here, talking about our church family, we are to be people who submit out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I was thinking about what that means and how to talk about this, and I recently watched a documentary uh, about the recording of the song, We Are the World, right? Lots of famous mega stars. Look at this picture here of all these people. You probably recognize some of them, right? Lionel Richie and Stevie Wonder and Michael Jackson and Paul Simon and all of these people. For some reason, Dan Aykroyd's there. I don't understand that. When watching the documentary, I didn't get it. But you have this collection of mega superstars in the music industry, right? And, and one of the producers, Quincy Jones, as they were getting ready to do this, they had one night that they could film this and record it and get it all, all down. They had one night to do this, and so he wrote a handwritten sign above the door as they were walking in. It said, check your ego at the door. Leave it at the door, right? And why? Because... When you're a superstar and you're walking into there, you want to sing this and you want to sing that and you want to stand out from the crowd and all of these things, right? And he just said, we have to check our ego at the door and if we can do that, we can come together in a way that is harmonious and unified and on point and we can get this done. If we have to battle your ego, it's not going to happen, it's not going to work and we're going to flop. And sure enough, they got through it. They worked together. They were patient. They were kind. They, they, they worked through it all, and they came together for one of the biggest songs of their time, went on to raise millions of dollars for relief funds for, for the famine over in Africa, right, and, and just pull off this magical moment of unity and harmony, and as I was thinking about it, I thought, isn't that what the church is supposed to be? But not for one night. Like, this is the church that Jesus has, has called us to. This is the church that Jesus wants us to be. A church that, as Paul says, submits to one another out of reverence for Christ. Where our call to action is to submit ourselves, to check our ego at the door. There is no ego in God's family, right? We don't flex over our title and our power and all of this. And similarly to that documentary of We Are the World, what happens when we check our ego at the door Man, we get to come together and be on mission, to be united around the call that God has for our church and for our people, right? And you might think, well, I, I'm not a mega superstar, man. I don't get that. The, the, the analogy doesn't really hold up. I, I, I want to just correct that right in this moment if I can. You are a superstar in Jesus' eyes. 
And I don't say that flippantly. You look at scripture, what does it say? You are dearly loved. You are a child of God. You are God's masterpiece and worksmanship. And he has designed you and created you for the purposes that he has for you, right? But within that, you're a superstar in Jesus' eyes. But he's also called us to do what this verse says. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're gonna lay our egos down at the door, come together, and in doing so, we're gonna be a church of harmony and unity and mission, and, and we're gonna embody the love of Christ. But it all comes down to that call to action. Will we submit to one another? Will we do that in such a way where we can learn to, to lay ourselves down, our desires, our egos, so that we can experience all that God intends for his family. We have the target. We have the destination. And we have the call to action. So now you have some time to talk about it. If you're in the church right now, you're going to get some chance right there around the table to talk and discuss and reflect and think, ponder these things. Right? There are going to be some questions provided for those watching online or somewhere else at home. There's gonna be some questions on the screen for a moment, but they'll also be in the description of the video. You can read through those, journal about them, talk about them with somebody else, and really engage with this. And I would encourage you, don't just talk in these lofty ideals and, and theories. Don't just give cliches, right, that you think everybody wants to hear, but really discuss what it would take for you to personally make the most of this moment. To really engage with these texts and live this out in such a way where you could actually do something radically to change the culture of our church for the good, to be on target, and to be a part of the solution to fulfill God's design for Hub City Church and the local church and the global church that he is, uh, that he is building and he is contending for and that he loves. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you want to take your next step in following Jesus, fill out the digital connect card at thehubcitychurch.com slash connect. We'd love to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life.